You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back. I'm glad to have you today. I want to share with you a little sample from a week of ministry. On Monday night, I shared a devotion with our scout troop here at Carterville, and it just made me think about a passage of Scripture that has been so important in my life. I want to talk to you about words, and I want to talk to you about using your words today for Jesus' sake to make a difference. So, I talked to the Boy Scouts about James chapter 3, and I want to talk to you about James chapter 3. And as I set up this episode of the podcast, I want you to think about this. Whether you realize it or not, the words that are coming out of your mouth as a leader, as a father, as a mother, as an influencer on your school campus, the words that are coming out of your mouth are actually shaping the future for somebody. You are helping to determine a course for the direction of somebody else's life. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. I think I should read James chapter 3 so that I'll make a sense of it. Now, I want you to recognize that as James begins to teach his church, he starts with an admonition to teachers. He warns people in the church not to be quick to want to assume positions as teacher. It seems like people in James's church probably wanted that role so that they could have the status or honor or the pats on the back that might come from being a teacher in the early church. But James was warning them that they would be accountable for how they taught, for what they said, and words seem to be a difficult thing to control. Let me read James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I want to pause right there and pick up a little bit um, of the emphasis for me on the power of your words. So when I say that your words shape the direction of the future for those who follow your influence, I want to show you what I mean. James warns the church about how deadly words can be. You know, the tongue sets the world on fire. It's as if the devil himself from hell set the tongue on fire to make a mess. And I'll bet if you're like me, you can look around you and see how your words have done that. You've spoken words that have hurt people, crushed people. You've, you've, you've spoken words that have stolen hope, crushed faith. You've spoken words that shook somebody's self-esteem. Maybe in an effort to be right or to win an argument or to look funny, you said words that hurt. 
and you shaped the direction of somebody's future just a little bit. But in the same way, you've probably used your words to bless, right? You've used your words to build up, to encourage, to show somebody something that they couldn't see at the time. You've used your words to give good counsel, good instruction, good direction, to share the knowledge of God. You've used your words to shape the future in a wonderful way too, right? So let's think about what James has to say. He warns his readers that the tongue is a very small part of the body, and yet it is capable of great boasts. But his example is the bit in the mouth of a horse and the rudder on the back of a ship. And I just want to pick up those two examples. I used to really struggle over this passage of Scripture. And I don't know why, but I kind of got lost in this illustration when James used the bit in the mouth of a horse and talked about how this small tool could direct this large body of a horse anywhere it wanted to go. Likewise, this small rudder on the back of a large vessel could direct and determine the way an entire boat would go through the Mediterranean Sea or wherever. And I remember thinking about James's illustration And I totally understood his point that the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a big impact. Just like a rudder or a bit is a small thing compared to a boat or a horse. But then it hit me that I don't believe that James was using the word body here just to talk about my physical flesh. I think this is what's called a double entendre, two meanings. Yes, absolutely, James was talking about how the tongue is small in my body. But more than that, let's remember that he was speaking to teachers. Remember, he said, let not many of you presume to be teachers, knowing that you'll be held to a stricter judgment. And then it hit me that the tongue of Christian teachers from a church, as a Sunday school teacher, as a deacon, an influential leader, that wise counsel that you seek from the believer— The tongue of the Christian leader or teacher shapes the direction, the culture of a church. And in that way, James is saying, you should be slow to just assume that you want to be a teacher because you're going to be held to a stricter judgment because your words, your teachings, actually are going to set a course. Think about this. A bit in the mouth of a horse shapes the direction of that entire animal. A rudder on the back of a ship determines the direction that a boat will go. And in the same way, the tongue in the mouth of a Christian teacher influences, directs, and shapes the culture, the hopes, the dreams, the understandings, the knowledge of God passed down to a generation of believers. Now let's take that Christian truth and let's keep pushing it downstream a little bit. It's true in James chapter 3 for pastors and for teachers. But what about for moms and dads? Or what about influencers on a school campus or for teachers? It turns out that the same principle that's true for a Christian teacher, it can be true for all Christians everywhere. Maybe not that you're held to the higher standard, but that you would recognize that your words can either set the world on fire around you or they can chart a course, a direction for somebody's life. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to use our words to build up, to encourage, to point people to Jesus, to show people hope, to show people truth, to communicate, to bless. And so I just want you to recognize how powerful your words are. So what should we do about this? Well, a couple of things. For one thing, let's be careful with our jokes. And I don't mean just let's not make any jokes that are off color. I mean, 
really, let's be careful with our jokes. In our culture, you know, we really all want to be funny, and sometimes our jokes can tear somebody down, or a joke flipped around could have built somebody up. Well, why don't we just choose to make jokes that encourage and build up? Or those comments from somebody walks in the room. Sometimes people will make them like a bully in the playground. They don't mean to, but they're putting somebody down. Why don't we use words to build them up and encourage? Like I think you and I can use our words intentionally to bless people to be encouragers. Absolutely, we're going to have to use our words to rebuke and correct. That's part of it. That's part of encouraging. That's part of charting a better future. But I want us to use our words intentionally. Now, the last thing I want to point out is this. James did warn his church that the tongue is impossible to tame. We've tamed all kinds of animals, but we cannot tame our tongue. It just seems like our words keep getting the best of us. Well, what do you do if your words are out of control? Like if you want to fix the words that are coming out of your mouth, if you look up right now and you realize that you are always sarcastic, you're always condescending, you're always critical. Well, let me point you towards the teaching of Jesus. Jesus taught us that it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So if you and I are having problems with our words, The source of the trouble is in our heart. If our words are angry words, well, it's because we have an angry heart. If our words are manipulative or controlling, it's because we have control set up in our heart. If our words are filled with insecurities, it's because of the insecurities in our own heart. So if you think about it, if we want to fix the words that are coming out of our mouths, the starting point is that we would let Jesus have control of our hearts. So when you see things coming out of your mouth that displease you, go to your prayer closet and let Jesus show you where that's coming from. Let him show you the roots of insecurity or jealousy, control, power, anger, the things that are driving those words, and let him heal them so that you and I can use our words to direct the course of the body, that is the body of Christ, in a big and beautiful way so that you and I can use this small tool that God has placed in the members of our body. And instead of setting the world on fire, that we could use it to chart a course. Church family, I love you. Thanks for taking time to listen to the podcast. If this episode of the podcast is encouraging to you, share it with somebody that needs to hear it. Bless somebody. Hey, a quick reminder, this Saturday we have a great outreach, especially for families. I think it'd be great for grandparents or anybody else. We're going to gather behind the fellowship hall at 6 o'clock in the evening this Saturday. We're going to have cotton candy and popcorn. We're going to watch a movie together. Invite somebody from your neighborhood. Let's come out and have fun. I can't wait to see the church gathered. If you want to, you can decorate a cardboard car. We've got boxes. You're welcome to paint it up, and we'll pretend we're to drive in. If you don't want to make a car, no problem. Come watch the movie. Can't wait to see you this Saturday.